Well, as the DX Express pulls into its final stop on the road to No Way Out 2000, we are here to talk about the February 24th 2000 episode of Max Third. I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about before we get to the pay-per-view. I am your usual host here on the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review, Scott McLeod. And joining me as a man who can't wait to talk about all sorts of bust-related shenanigans is the host and creator and all, all sorts of other things of that ain't sport is Nathan Greenaway. I love buses. Which made yes, this episode. Sa- yeah, and I loved them before this episode of SmackDown, and I love them even more now. You loved them before they were cool. You loved them before DX got one. I've, I was a bus wanker before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome aboard once again, Nathan, to the Rogue Retro SmackDown review. Obviously, you're listening to this on Sunday at Timer. Uh, as you're listening to this, the uh, Elimination Chamber is tonight. Nathan, are you taking one of your breaks again, or are you excited to see the Elimination Sean Bear? I'm so excited to watch the Elimination Sean Bear. Uh, super excited, super... Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not going to watch it. I don't, I don't know who's in it. I'm not even going to pretend. <laughs> presuming Drew's in it. I'm presuming Roman's in one. There's probably like three others for some reason. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a chamber. Reginald's going to win a chamber and then beat Roman Reigns the same night. It's going to be a wild night. Uh, how many chambers are there? There's uh, two elimination chambers. Uh, a Smackdown one where Roman decided these guys should fight for the honour to fight me on the same night. So he's easily going to win. Oh, and, and then Drew's got, Drew's got one against a bunch of former WWE champions. None of whom I don't, I don't think we're going to win, except maybe Seamus. Oh, okay. I'm going to bet. Who, who else is in it? Can you list some names off and I'll tell everyone who to lump on to? Uh, so you've got Seamus, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Randy Orton. It was meant to be the Miz, but Miz pulled out because it doesn't make sense for them when the briefcase holder to be in. So, but they said, like, we need a former WWE champion. He said, oh, John Morrison should be in it. He's a former ECW champion. <laughs> and said, you know, so Kofi Kingston earned the right to be uh, in the chamber because they think that they want us to try and believe that it's going to be Kofi Mania 2 back in the habit uh, this year, but it's not going to be. <laughs> to Kofi to die hard with a vengeance. There you go. <laughs> Electric uh, Yeah. The revenge. So, are they going to do... Here's, here's a question for you, Scott. Um, Drew, Drew's going to win. And uh, but sure. here's a question for you: Are they? Let's say on a scale of one to a hundred, what are the chances they could do a backstage segment before the chamber match where Kofi bumps into Edge because Edge attacked him that time before one? Oh, well, where were you an hour or so ago? Because at the time recording, I just recorded a live stream with Sleep Suplex V3 on Facebook, and we were talking about all sorts of fun ideas. I didn't even think about that. Uh. Oh, I want that now. A hundred. I'm going to see a hundred yeah. now. Well, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I'd be pretty stoked for that. I'm not going to watch it, but <laughs> but if you tell me it happened, I'll be like, yeah, well done, WWE. That's a we're, cool we're callback. That, we're talking on that stream. Uh, hopefully, some of you may have checked out if you follow me over there. But uh, we're just on all sorts of ideas to make it better. And I came up with this idea at the end because, like, it feels like Seamus is the only guy that WWE has to actually face Roman at, at Drew. Sorry, at WrestleMania. Because of like they've been teasing this feud for a while, they had him turn on Drew after the Rumble, and I will talk about SmackDown in a minute. But sometimes it's funny to check and see what's actually happening 
in, in modern times because we were on a road to WrestleMania in real life as well as in 2000. But I came up with this idea uh, on that stream. I don't know what you think about it. The idea of like making the money in the bank and the Seamus match mean something where Seamus gets into the last two with Drew, loses, and says to Ampere, I want another shot. Ampere says, well, you can't have another shot. You need to earn it. So says, Miz, I'll fight you at Fastlane because we have to have two people use in the way to Mania. Miz, I'll fight you at Fastlane. Winner gets the money in the bank briefcase. Seamus wins the briefcase and says to Drew, I'm cashing in at WrestleMania. I don't, I don't know how you're going to be able to tell me a better answer to this question, but uh, I don't really know how Drew's, not Drew, sorry, Seamus has been presented on TV. Is he, like, credible again? Because he hadn't, when I was watching properly, uh, which is only a year, only about, what, six, seven months ago, whenever Hell in a Cell was, he was nowhere. So is he, is he actually like a big deal? The people Is Seamus facing Drew at WrestleMania actually seem legit? I guess is my question. I think it seems like a real possibility. It's like they've been teasing that they're pals for ages and I thought they were going to fight at the Rumble. Then they had to do Goldberg and then Seamus turned on Drew and he's annoyed that he had to do a chamber. He wants a one-on-one match with, with Drew. And like, because like right now it seems like Drew... Drew's WrestleMania point isn't as concrete as it should be by this point. Like, Why don't they do, like, could they have, uh, sh- I'm trying to think how logically you do it, but I feel like it, just in my opinion out of nowhere, is like, that doesn't seem like that's enough to it. But if for some reason you could have either Seamus about to beat Drew and then John Morrison and The Miz do some shenanigans, last two at a chamber, and then The Miz cashes in or something like that and wins the title, which sets up a triple threat. Or you have Sheamus just beat Drew in the chamber. Chamber lifts up and a la Edge in 2006 outcomes The Miz and wins the title. Because I, like, I just feel like Drew v Sheamus, although I know they've got a lot of real-life actual history... So you could tell a story there. I feel like it still needs something and throwing the Miz and John Morrison in there. Like the Miz could sell ice to Eskimos. Like it won't be the best wrestling match on the card, but you could still tell a compelling story there. Yeah, like cause like legit apparently there was a time where like I think it was like the SWA title in Scotland that Drew had and there, like I think it was the Irish Whip world title that Seamus had. They were actually gonna do a match on the Indies in like oh six. Like title v title, big unification match, and a match never got to happen because they both got signed at like the exact same time. So they've been like they've known each other for a long time, so they can play on that, go into it, and try and make it seem good. But like I don't think Adam actually I think Adam is quite hard to like, because weirdly since Team with Morton become kind of this comedy act, people really have went from wanting them to have another run at being a world champion to like keep Miz away from the world title. Yeah, the Miz kind of seems to always go with ebbs and flows. You need to give him something compelling because he is such a ridiculously good talker, uh, as I said. But maybe doing all the now John Morrison's back and they did that that cool music video. I say cool, <laughs> it wasn't cool. Sorry, but the, the cool good music, yeah, the good like uh, music video. They did this, the cool stuff there. They had a little title run and a little tag title run and everything like that. And then he kind of got lumped up to the main event, it feels like. And then I I don't know when he won the briefcase or anything. 
But like, I think I know Otis won it, didn't he? And then Miz won it from Otis. I remember that. I I think the idea is like Sheamus winning the chamber, then Drew winning it back. Just so Drew can have that moment of winning a title in front of fans because they are going to have some fans at WrestleMania. Apparently, not enough to coax Brock into coming back for a rematch with Drew. So I think they is have that, Is that just too too much? Because they've already had him lose the title and win it back immediately. So is him just to rinse and repeat so he can win a title in front of? I think I think that's the thing now with most people like in modern WWE. I think even goes back to when Edge was around because like. The idea of people losing titles just to win them back, just to bump up people's numbers so they can say, so-and-so's a this amount of time champion. I mean, look at most of Charlotte's like, reigns. Wasn't Edge's reigns at all? He was somehow, wasn't he, like an 11-time world champion and that all like under an hour? Like His first world title was in 2006, in January 2006, and then won his final world title uh, in 2011. Uh, like in February or so 2011 because he got stripped of it and then went it back from Sigler like within a same night I think so yeah 11 world titles in like 5 oh, years it's crazy like and one time it was in the same night because that time he got lost the WWE title on one chamber and then did the thing with Kofi where he won the world title yeah but yeah I, I do think they should do a spot I think they should do it literally backstage because I'm presuming is Edge, Edge wrestling on chamber no but Okay, here's what you do. Here's what you do. Versus Roman. New Day music hits. <laughs> Co- and you do that backstage shot of them, all the chamber people getting ready. And you don't set it up, you do it for them all. The chamber music ready. Kofi then walks past Edge as he's doing his ring walk before he goes through the curtain. And there's this little wink and a nod. And you're like, yeah, they remember. Yeah, that could be, that could be good. I worry that if it's just Drew v Sheamus one on one, that there's always the fear of trying to have Miz cash in at WrestleMania. Because I think at this point, the best thing you do is just have like the cat, whoever has the briefcase cash in, and just fail. And also, I think right now, given that they've signed Ty of Valkyrie, who in real life is married to John Morrison, uh, they should just like split Miz up from, ha- from him and just go join her as a thing. Uh, and I even said on that last live stream that. The best thing to do with the money in the bank this year when whoever wins the men's one is to maybe if you want Edge to win the Universal title, have whoever wins the briefcase cash on on Edge. And that's how Edge helps make a new star by like, getting cashed in on because he's the first guy to cash in. God, Edge v. The Miz does not. It doesn't sell tickets, does it? Well, it doesn't have to be The Miz, but like whoever... I think the... I just think The Miz... If you want to do Drew winning the title in front of fans... I think the Miz is the perfect guy to kind of have a short title reign. Just so, mm-hmm. just have Drew. Like he can't do him beaten and bloodied like John Cena was because it's PG. But uh, he's just Drew had to start the chamber, tears through everyone. Sheamus gets super close. Miz cashes in, and uh, oh no! If you want to do Sheamus, obviously, actually, you need to give Sheamus some credibility. So have the Miz and John Morrison cash in during the final two. Have Sheamus and Drew start the chamber, have them end the chamber, Miz cashes in, wins the title, triple threat at Mania. And then you bring back the Money in the Bank match at Mania so you can put John Morrison in it. The, I, one of the also interesting things about Chamber is that they've got Nye and Shayna defending against Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, who are more than likely going to be uh, a match at WrestleMania, Bianca versus Sasha, so it's, it's going to be set up for that kind of, uh, Typical, how will these two get along? 
Well, like no, I, I get the feeling. That, I get the feeling they won't. You know what, Scott? I just have an inkling. Just inkling. I don't know how you got this feeling, but. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> oh. uh, so we talk about two thousand. Sure, let's do it. I know. So I'll go back to Raw as I often do to uh, talk about what happened. Uh, the start of uh, the Raw before this opened up with a recap of uh, the kidnappings that went down on last week's SmackDown. Uh, DX Express, sorry, there's a different DX Express on Raw. All this is recapped at the start of SmackDown, but the, the DX Express that was on Raw was red. I think it was so because they could damage that DX Express and then replace it with the one that we see on SmackDown. But it was also it took place in the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, basically home of WCW, 30,000 fans for the WF. It's a final statement to say, WCW's dead, we win. And it's just a matter of time before we buy them. <laughs> and then the best thing about uh, the opening is the DX coming out with the radicals as usual. But like the like classic heel, we got rid of everybody else, but we never just got to take care of the Rock. You know? And the Rock comes out, and he's the one that first people to acknowledge the long, boring promos of Triple H, which he clearly didn't learn from. Because the Rock comes out and goes, you come out here, Triple H, every week, and you say, I am the game, and for the next 20 minutes, I'm going to be talking and saying absolutely nothing. This is... The Rock, it, it's, it was so nice to have The Rock uh, on this show, and this is one of like the highlights of his... WRF run was just his ability to talk down to people, obviously, and it's kind of refreshing to see because you watch The Rock. Uh, it's, I guess, it's it's not hard to forget when you see The Rock and what he's up to these days that he did used to be this guy mm-hmm. <laughs> coming out in his open satin shirts and just rinsing people with an eyebrow. Uh, <laughs> is pretty great, but yeah, Triple H never learned never learned his lesson that he didn't need to open every show. And I think 18 years later, it was still Stephanie and Triple H opening every show. Also, have you seen the, the trailer for that new show, Young Rock? I, I have, I've not watched the, uh, the pilot yet, because it's not available in the UK on any legal channels. But, uh, so I've not seen it yet, but apparently it went down a tree. Huh. I know like, there's got like, three different like, areas of like, Young Rock. Like, you know, and the Rock is like telling you about his life while running for president, and like they've hired actors to be Macho Man and Vince McMahon, and all sorts. And there's even a clip I saw in the trailer where you've got uh, a bunch of wrestlers sat around Rocky Johnson's table, and Young Rock says wrestling's fake, and they all just stare at him. And then his dad has to apologise on his behalf. I bet that really happened. I can imagine people back then, because when would this have been? Probably oh, late eighties. Maybe seventies. Like I don't know the timeline. I need to watch the episode still, but I can imagine people doing that. There's a bit in the trailer because the guy who plays them as a teenager is built because, like, you see young, like, fifteen-year-old rock pictures of him. He looks like a full-grown man, and he says that that was around the time that Twenty One Jump Street, the TV show, came out. So everybody thought he was an undercover cop, and they mentioned that as a joke <laughs> in the trailer. Yeah, I've heard that story a few times there, but I saw the picture, the still image of the actor playing Young Rock uh, mm-hmm. in that famous turtleneck jeans fanny pack <laughs> outfit with the chain. <laughs> Have you seen, you love the Graham Norton show. Have you seen the Graham Norton yeah. show with a, yeah, when they do it, it's Liam Hemsworth, Jeff Goldblum. I forget the third guy. 
I know it might just be those two actually who are dressed up as this rock in the turtleneck and everything. <laughs> it's the one handkerchief, there's a random handkerchief or something like that underneath these arm on the yeah, thing that he's leaning on. He said because the banister was dirty. <laughs> so why are you leaning on it? Are you just trying to look cool for this photo? Why are you taking the photo? That's what we need this TV show for. That's what the whole thing is about. <laughs> Tell you what, there's a movie in the future. If we could somehow get a movie with Dwayne, Liam Hemsworth and Jeff Goldblum <laughs> as the as the stars above the, the names above the posters, I'd love that. <laughs> but back to 2000 uh, Rock is running I mean, a verbal back and forth triple H and that Cactus Jack comes out Basically said he got he got he basically guys says how he got kidnapped, left in the middle of nowhere, and hitched tight back to get to Raw, and he picked up Paul Bear and Kane on the way, which then leads to a big brawl, and then uh, Big Show comes in to help DX and hit Rock with a steel chair, so he'll stand tall at the start of uh, at the start of Raw. So it sets up a main event later on of Rock, Catastrophic, and Kane against Triple H, X Pac, and Big Show, and weirdly I think there's like ten fifteen minutes left of Raw. Which is a rarity to have like that much time left at the end of a like main event because you messaged me about how little time was left when the main event starts on this show, like seven minutes left. Yeah, there was about I think uh, Jericho and that were making their entrance with about kind of eight minutes to go, which made me suspicious. Well, it was a good match actually on Raw, and the heels won because Triple H hit Cactus Jack with a fire extinguisher behind the rest back. But the fight continued to up to the stage now because Kane's falling with Xbox, Rock's falling with Big Show. And at least they, uh, Stephanie trying to hit Cactus with a trash can, he no sells it. And so then she runs away, Triple H runs away, they run to the DXPress. And Cactus finds this conveniently placed large pipe thing chained to a thing with wheels on it and then rams that through the windshield of the DX Express. And they drive away with one of the windows missing. Uh, and that'll be a storyline point coming on. Uh, on Raw. Uh, also, given that you said Jericho, Jericho and Angle are going to have a big part to play on SmackDown. I'll just mention this that happened on Raw. It was a, a tag match to end all tag matches. It was Chris Jericho and China taking on the British Bulldog and Kurt Angle. Uh, Jeez. I didn't even realise like the British Bulldog was around this late. In I say late, like early 2000. I wouldn't have guessed he was still with the company. Yeah, he, he's uh, made one or two more appearances, and I think like there's a, a UK pay per view. It'll disappear for a month. There's a UK pay per view late in the year. He makes that appearance just for the pop of the crowd, and then he's gone. So he's not got much time left uh, with the WF. But because uh, they're in Atlanta, that's where Kurt won his medals four years ago, and he said that was the last thing good thing that happened in this town. And then uh, he talked about how he hit China with the European title on SmackDown. I said like I I had it on reliable sources that China was going to steal my European title, and sell it to pay for more plastic surgery. Angle, again, more cheating. This is basically the same finish as bloody the main event where when the referee was distracted with someone China and Bulldog were doing, Jericho got hit with the IC title and then hit with the Angle slam. So Angle got the win over Jericho, helping further their feud for the IC title. It's going to happen at No Way Out. Uh, anything else worthwhile talking about? Uh, oh yeah, on Raw, uh, DX, uh, sorry, the Outlaws and the Dudleys beat, uh, they lost to the Hardys and Edge and Christian after 
the Dudley's ran would just hit the outlaws with a chair, bearing the rest back, even though they were winning. And then there was an argument between the Hardys and Edge and Christian about who was legal and who got the pin for their team, even though they won. It was just being done to set up tension because those two teams are going to fight each other at no way out to determine who faces the winners of Outlaws and Dudley's down the line. Spoiler alert, it's going to turn out to be both. <laughs> well, you'll have to tune in to next week's No Way Out review <laughs> to find out. And that's what you call a professional plug. Yeah, not a shit plug that I just did. But we got to SmackDown, also a week of everything I just talked about. But weirdly, we don't. I think we see the DX Express pulling in. No, no, that week. We, get, yeah, we, get we, the... we do see the DX Express uh, pulling in because no one can stop saying it. <laughs> so, yeah, the DX Express pulls in, but we don't see what's happening with them. We don't get immediate follow up. You expect that to start with them coming out for another play, a 20 minute promo. But no, we actually start with a hardcore title match. It's Test taking on Crash Holly. And when I seen this match, I realized I thought I got I got so excited, not because I wanted to see Test, even though, as we talked about a few weeks ago, his hardcore title match against Garen Grail was was just delightful. It was a hell of a lot of fun, but because I knew what this meant for Crash, and I was like, hardcore and Crash are arguing backstage, and Crash wants to prove that he's more hardcore than his cousin could ever be. And at that point, when when uh, Nathan was watching this episode. He sent me this message, starting hot with test. And no, that's definitely genuine, not sarcastic in any way whatsoever. <laughs> it wasn't sarcastic when I said it because I sent it during the entrance and then they go backstage and he said, you see Crash into Hardcore Holly, have a little argument. It did make me giggle when Hardcore Holly said the title's named after me, <laughs> <laughs> which did get a little bit of a laugh. The match started and bear in mind, it was about, Two and a half minutes long, maybe. And Harker Holly came I, out. I didn't take a note of it. Oh, it's, it's super short. Harker Holly is standing on the top of the ramp for most of it as well, holding a chair. And uh, I can't really remember a lot that happened during the match. I know they set up the chairs so that they're both unfolded but facing each other. So it makes that little bridge in the middle with the seats. And there's a bit where Crash jumps over them during an Irish whip and Test just fucking boots him in the face. That was pretty brutal, uh, but it, it ended exactly how you expected it to end, which is just, I've said Harker Holly was holding a chair. He hits Test with the chair. Yeah, no need to oversell it, but it is amazing how quickly they go into the crowd and how easily Test like thrown around Crash because obviously he's so much bigger. How quickly they go in the crowd, Test picks up not like the silver like trash cans they use that are doing. He picks up a legit trash can that people in the venue probably have been putting all sorts of stuff in there and just Throws it bounces off Crash's head. Uh, people are chanting Elroy because uh, they've already started calling him Elroy Jets, and I think it was Jericho that was revealed that started that. And it's one of the things that just sticks. Uh, we have a fire extinguisher spot, which we have to in these sets of matches. Crash is just getting little points of uh, of offense, and before getting cut off, like you said, with that bit where he got thrown, right, he get he jumps right into getting caught with a boot by Test. You go outside, they're fighting around the commentary table, and then. Uh, he said hardcore comes out, and you can see where else was coming a mile away. He went hit with a, he, he definitely planned on hitting Crash, but as soon as he ducks and he hits Test, and Crash wins the title, he acts like, oh yeah, I, I, I'm raising your hand now. I meant to definitely help you. Yeah, that was a bit, and, and he's like going, oh, you won because of me. I think was what he was saying, like as he's mm-hmm. holding Crash's arms up and uh, kind of pointing at him. 
But there was, like, as I say, I made it sound like hardcore just hit Tess with the chair. He didn't. He took a swing, crash. It, it's not clear. The way they did it was quite clever because it's not clear if Crash ducked because he knew what was going on. Because he definitely looked back to see Hardcore taking the swing. But I don't know whether that was just... That wasn't meant to be that obvious, but it ended up kind of adding layers to it. So they actually did a good... For This match was nothing. Like It was completely nothing in terms of match. But there was that... If you care about dissension between the Holly cousins, as we all do... Uh, there was that little bit of doubt there where you're like, oh wait, did Crash did did Hardcore like shout him first? He was like, hey, duck. So, one thing I will say, I see, I think it's Shane Helms always on Twitter whenever anyone asks about Test about how like good he was. Like, Test was really good. Yeah. At, at anything because he was on the 99 episode that I did last time as well and I think we probably had a similar discussion about how because that was during the peak Helmsley test era I say peak test his career just getting ruined mm-hmm. uh, back when we did that episode and I think we had the same discussion of being like test is really good at wrestling <laughs> or yeah. was I should say he he was really good he was one of the more underrated elbow drops in history because for a guy his size he Often had the guy like halfway across the ring, he sailed and had an elbow drop. And like when he got rolling, he was able to hit like his big like gut wrench, like power moves. He really looked like a star, but they just never booked him as much. And we know we, we talk about dissension between the always being like, up at night, so it does. Like, so I'm, I'm happy that the colleagues are seemingly together still for this week at least. But especially we seem to have glossed over the match a wee bit. As we're talking about, this is pretty much the defining win of Crash Holly's career when you actually think about it. I think, uh, yeah, when you talk about big Crash Holly moments, it's this, it's the cock up at WrestleMania 2000. <laughs> uh, it's, no, that's it. Yeah, but like, because like, to get to the thing at WrestleMania 2000, this had to happen because I believe he'll have a defence or two in the next week or so, and after one or two defence, that's when he gets cocky and implements the 24-7 rule which then starts the greatest era of the hardcore title <laughs> and will lead to that match at Mania 2000 and all sorts of great moments I can't wait to talk about in the months and that that, that come because well, hardcore like yeah. hardcore actually when he first won the hardcore title the first time he won it he was still Bob Holly and shortly after winning his first hardcore title he changed his name to hardcore Holly but he had some runs with it uh, it was like Al Snow in 99, which were fun. But this is like the era when people think hardcore title, they think this year in 2000. We'll say if you are a younger listener and you you weren't like watching wrestling when the 24-7 rule was in the hardcore title, like I'm not saying jump ahead or, or anything of of this podcast if you want to stay on the timeline, but you think the 24-7 title... Uh, as it is now is fun with its rule. You ain't seen nothing yet. You've seen absolutely nothing. And we're going to ruin it for you by showing you how a 24-7 rule was done properly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I used to think the 24-7 too was fun. I don't anymore, but the start of it was fun. Is so, it still a thing? Yeah. Okay. That funny is the 24-7 champion, by the way. Oh, the guy from the Rumble? Yeah, and apparently he's actually going to be uh, on this week's Saturday Night Live with the, uh, the title. So maybe they'll do Ooh. a title change on SNL. That's big. That's big. 
for the WWE. I would make fun of him, but it turns out that Bad Bunny is actually super fucking popular. <laughs> he is actually, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's just that's just that's good business, pal. Yeah, good good bit of business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like I bought a C on that, but I've, I've been distracted talking about Bad Bunny. So I'll just move on. I'm sure I'll have plenty to say regarding the hardcore title as we go on, as I said. But uh, meanwhile, on the DX Express, because that's what basically that's it. The Radicals and DX, they're basically the Legion of Doom from the Super Friends. Like, it cuts to them and they're making their like, evil plans. So, what we're going to do is we're going to have this guy fight the big show. <laughs> and we're going to put you two in a handicap match against this guy. It's the same every fucking week. It's, they. they as Wayland Smithers once said, they, long ago they crossed the line from everyday villainy to cartoonish supervillainy. <laughs> oh, what great people. <laughs> yeah, because like, they're, they're annoyed about Cactus Jack everything, and so they set up matches for later on, and we'll talk about the matches they set up as we go on, and they said, like, no one takes out Cactus but me, I've got yeah. plans for him. That's the weird thing about Triple H, just that he's there and he's like, Oh, we're gonna solve your problem for you, and then I'm gonna be in this match, but no one cut ta- ca- touch Cactus Jack, he's mine. But as we get to later, like he didn't touch Cactus Jack at all. Event <laughs> yeah, Stephanie really did more to take out Cactus than he did. He did nothing, no, mm. and I think the Cactus Jack stuff with it on this show is probably great from a, as you said, a cartoonish villain standpoint. But from any sort of, it was it was nonsense. It was just pure unbridled nonsense. And that's kind of what I guess that's kind of what this show was. This show was a lot of talking and not a lot else because they they accidentally had to do one more show before the pay per view. Yeah, because when I saw that there were five weeks, which means I was like. I did the two shows with Damien, I did the two shows with James. I thought, okay, that'll be it. And I think there was one more episode. I'm like, really? Like, I, like, it was very similar to me getting you in here like with 99, because I didn't realise there was one more episode of 99, because 99 seemed to go on forever. Oh. Uh, well, there I you go, like, guys. If there's ever accidentally one more podcast, I'm going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have more to offer about it than you do on the grapple updates, because you don't watch it nowadays. I'm not on the grappler phase. I know, that's why we don't have you on anymore. <laughs> I could talk anyway, about Fargo if you want. I've I've never watched the show or the film. Oh, dude. The film, yeah, maybe, but do yourself a favour and watch the first two seasons of the of the show on Netflix. And that's for that's for everyone listening. If you've not seen it, season three, not great. Season one and two, fantastic. Fair enough. I'll, uh, I'll knock that down into all the other list of shows I've still to watch. <laughs> I probably won't get around to it. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of watching all of Parks and Rec for the second time. Oh, what season are you on? Uh, I'm at midway through season three. Otherwise, no, it's when it really gets good because it's good in season two. Kind of crap for season one, but uh, season, I, really I think like, season three is uh, called Parks and Recreation. We have a budget now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and when they bring in Rob, uh, Rob Lowe as Chris Traeger, so he's the, my, one of my favourites. He's like, I love everybody on that show except Tom and Leslie. You don't like Leslie? No. Oh, no. I love Leslie. She's just, I, she's that person I'd hate to be in, work in the same office as. 
Honestly, I I feel like I'd that's I'd her whole character. Her. That's the point of her. <laughs> but then she's made it easier, like presented as more likable than she is, but she won't let shit go. Like the episode where Ron like takes the piss out of her because obviously he got a Woman of the Year award and she didn't, and he obviously was always intent on make tell them you should give it to her. But he decided to take the piss out of her. And I think they, you know, she's like, oh, I don't do it for awards and that, and then they basically expose how petty she really is in that episode. And also, she like wants everybody to be included, but she basically helps does nothing to stop the bullying of Jerry. <laughs> yeah, but Jerry's got a hot wife, so it's fine. Well, and Tom, I don't like him partly again because of the uh, the bullying of Jerry. But he's just he he's one of the few guys that never really develops through the whole show. He just remains a, an arsehole. And also, why did they ever put him and Anne together for as beef as they did? What do you mean? Do you, do you not see Anne get together for like briefly and then they break up? Well, yeah, they were never going to work. Well, of course right. they were never going to work. Why did they put them together in the first place? Because you always just want to try, like, you want to try every dish at a buffet. What kind of reasoning is that? Well, you go to this buffet all the time. Like, you want to make sure you try every dish and one day you're going to be like, hey, maybe this tastes good. But then it doesn't taste good and you don't go back. But yeah, Tom and they were never, never, never going to work. But you, you telling me you've never seen a couple get together where you're like, well, they're going to last five minutes. Oh, no, I have. I there just, you go, then. Like, it, it happens in life. Then they really inadvertently made Anne look really bad because she kept going around the main group because she was with Andy, then Chris, then Tom, then back to Chris. Well, she was, she was just a bit of a player, wasn't she? She was a nurse working long hours. Sometimes. Oh, and Mark as well. We need to do a podcast about Parks and Rec because I've got too many opinions about Parks and Rec to talk about in this one show. Mark was the worst. I'm Mark glad is he left. Mark pointless character in the entire show. So get, they, they wrote him off smartly. That was genius. Mm-hmm. Just, to get, just to get rid of him. Tell me anything. Rogue opinions <laughs> is rogue opinions about Parks and Rec. Because there are people who have tuned in for SmackDown who are annoyed. Okay, they got past I could I could deal with them talking about the chamber because at least that was wrestling. They, there's an, hey, there's another turned, reason. They've turned off. They've turned off by now because we've wired off at Parks and Rec. There's another reason to watch Fargo. Uh, Nick Offerman is in season two, uh, and he's in like every episode, and he's got massive mutton chops. <laughs> <laughs> like he really has. He's got that beard where you've got a full beard, but you shaved the moustache off. It's it's glorious. So what happened, DX? Oh, yeah, DX for being dead. <laughs> Who the fuck are DX? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so so was... Andy broke his leg falling into a hole. He fell in the pit. He wrote a song about that. <laughs> uh, anyway, but... Yeah, so they make their plan for the night. Uh, I was actually surprised. Oh, that's actually quite short for a DX segment. And then the big show came out and I thought, ah, our designated 20-minute promo for the evening. Oh, holy, this was the fucking worst. This sucked. This promo was terrible. Did Big Show come out and talk about how he, he won the Royal Rumble? Why do you people hate me? You Not two months were you cheering me. I don't remember anyone cheering him two months before this. Kurt Angle came out. I'm pretty sure Kurt Angle was fucking drunk because he couldn't speak. <laughs> I, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Big Show, they never cheered you. 
they cheered the idea of you taking the title from Triple H. That doesn't mean that you are over with these people. You were the, you were the dirt worst as as world champion, the absolute worst. <sighs> it really did. Like, if you're going to do a whiny heel kind of promo, and bear in mind, I've never had to do one in my life, but still, this just seemed wrong because it felt so insincere. And also, a heel is meant to have a point, but he doesn't have a point. He's whining whilst also having indisputable proof that he's been wronged. So surely he's supposed to be the good guy because he's not coming with like a dodgy. You know how WWE, whenever they set up like or WWF at the time, whenever they're, they're setting up something, they will usually have a dodgy camera angle or something like that. But instead of that, he's got legitimate beef that he won the Royal Rumble. But he's whining about it in such a way that you kind of like the point is that you're meant to ignore it. But I couldn't help but go, well, he did win the Royal Rumble, like he won it. So why is he bitching so much? (laughs) And also, he's got his match. So what was he coming out here to speak about? He's got his match at at No Way Out. I think we were talking, I think it's before we, we started, we talked about Brian about different people calling my tongue, he's got a podcast with, and I'm sure like they, he tried to ask like JR and Pritchard about this Rumble spot and if it was planned or if it was just like a happy accident that they fell into so they could like build to what we end up getting at WrestleMania and all that. And like they never really give definitive answers as to what actually was supposed to happen. So part of me is thinking that maybe The Rock's feet legit weren't meant to touch as they did. That's really the only idea I can go with it because, like, I think there were, for a while Austin was planning to be in the main event of WrestleMania against The Rock, but also Austin got taken out. And then. Well, it's meant to be Jericho, wasn't it, originally? Because I remember Lance Storm, uh, when he used to have his podcast, because he's a wrestler, so of course he had a podcast. <laughs> uh, back in the day, he said at the Storm Wrestling Academy, he had. He got given an original WrestleMania 2000 banner to like that he had hanging up in his facility, and it was the original uh, poster. And instead of Mick Foley, Jericho was on it in the main event as like one of the four. That would have been interesting, but like surely then when Austin's taken out, then they should just build to Rock Triple H as a singles thing. So I don't know when the idea of a multi-man match at WrestleMania. Like came into it maybe because they hadn't done it before, and like we've got so many people who are stars, we got to get everybody on the card, everyone in the pool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just think it this this promo segment I thought was really bad up until The Rock came out because totally. I don't think you can ever call a Rock promo bad, for instance. But your Big Show coming out and whining, you had Kurt Angle coming out and tripping over his words. Like all over the place, and not really, he didn't really make much sense. Then you had Jericho coming out to do uh, to put his hand in a hat and just pull out whatever catchphrase he could find. <laughs> and uh, China was there, like she was there physically. I don't know if she was there in spirit, but uh, she was stood there. And then The Rock came out and actually made it vaguely entertaining because he's that good. Well, he I can make a. You can't call a 2000 rock promo bad. The thing you can't call a rock promo bad, you clearly have not watched 
his opening to WrestleMania 27 when he gets to do crowd participation, like when The Rock says, yeah, but the people say Dabba, or like, I'm taking a sip of the people's water, like, what is this? This is half (laughs) Okay, never mind then. Uh, Here he's making a, 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 a short, like, gif of him doing the big show's like taunt somehow insulting <laughs> like, which really echoes the point of why like the big show did win the royal rumble like but everyone's siding with the guy taking the piss out of his taunt <laughs> as if the rock is anyone to talk about having shit taunts <laughs> the rock what happens when big show comes out he's like why are you boo like Rock hurt my feeling. Like, you're not going to endear yourself to 2000 cynical attitude air crowd by saying that your feelings got hurt. And I know it sucks to say, but like, and he shows and he slows it down. Like, he, it's the way he keeps whining about it. That's why the people are booing up. If he took a time to stop bitching, maybe people wouldn't boo him. But like, look, the rock feet touched them out. And, it, and they did, you can clearly see. And then Angle came out and he said, like, See, Big Show, you have integrity. You have one of the three eyes. And I can't stand to see people treating someone with such integrity so badly. Then he goes on to tell, he's he a bit start a story about training in Munich for the like, Olympic Games or something like that. I'm sure which would have been enthralling, but then Jericho comes out saying that Angle has no neck and Big Show has no balls. How original. Angle challenges them there to a tag match with him, Big Show versus Jericho, and whoever's stupid enough to be his partner. And at first I think you're meant to think that China's going to be He's uh, his partner, but then The Rock comes out and then, yeah, The Rock does the I've got some footage of my own, and he does the uh, thing that he does about the big show. Let's watch it one more time from a different angle. Let's watch it from that same angle, but in slow motion. And Big Show is just fuming at this point. But like, I've already recorded the No Way Out review that'll be out next week. But I mentioned this point on that show here, but I'll mention it here as, as well, that The Rock... Really, he acknowledges that his feet touch the floor, but doesn't try and endear it and say, like, if I'm still the rightful one of the Royal Rumble and I'm going to prove it, there'll be no doubt, and I beat you, no way out. He's just basically like, yeah, well, the rock's a brown boo, he's going to go through you, he's going to kick your ass, you're stupid. Look at this stupid footage of you being an idiot. Like, you're just, basically, he is bullying the big show, and people are laughing about it, and the rock's a good guy. (laughs) Yeah, it's peak 2000 attitude, and that's kind of where society was at in 2000 in a lot of ways, where the bad guys had become so cool that they'd come round the other side. Mm-hmm. like, And just the, the guy in the street being wronged, as Allah, the big show, isn't sympathetic enough anymore because look how cool the bad guy is. Because around 2000, that's kind of... Obviously, in a wrestling sense, that's where the NWO was so cool and everything like that. But we'd also enter into the world of, like, just the bully good guy uh, a little bit. And just kind of, like, the shit-talking good guy who didn't take any crap and uh, and things like that. Like, when you look at the, the movies that are out around kind of 2000, you can see that the people that got supported now weren't the goody two shoes anymore like really like there, there were obviously exceptions to that but like we were kind of entering when you look at generally a good kind of barometer of where 
society was at is kind of Batman. And you look at kind of the comics and the stories about Batman that were being told at that time, it become the dark and gritty and kind of that sort of thing. So I think that's just where people were and the rock massively took advantage of that. But when you talk about wrestling sense, you'd already had stone cold Steve Austin at that point. And it's, it's about the guy who you can relate to because he hates his boss and he gets to do what you want to do, which is beat the shit out of everyone. <laughs> so, I think the big show did play it probably in the right way for 2000, but when you rewatch it, you're just like, at least show us an angle where you can't clearly see he's right. Cause now I have to agree with him. Yeah. I think it's maybe like, he's right. But it's the way he goes about it. Cause like technically Daniel Bryan's vegan character from 2019 wasn't a bad guy. It's just the way he, he lectured you about the way oh, he yeah, he, everyone like, hates vegans. Like, and that's not, that's not a, like I'm not saying that's right, but that's he did. He played off a character that everyone hates, which is the preachy vegan. You could be doing more for the environment kind of person. And uh, yeah, he played it perfectly. So maybe Big Show just played this part perfectly, and that's what we're realizing. <laughs> it's like, a shit promo, though. We see the thing that he does later on that. There are two ways basically to go about it. He can be complaining about it, or he can just be a giant and try and murder the rock for mocking him and basically robbing him of his of what he feels is his rightful rumble victory. But he tries to do both on this show, as we'll, we'll soon talk about. But he can't do both. He can't whine about it and then beat up the rock because he made fun of you. But you have the rock try and mock the big show, and big show like, I am not going to be made fun of, and then kill the rock for a couple of weeks. So you think, Jesus, going out of no way out, the rock should be in. The Rock's in a lot of trouble. How's The Rock going to get past the big show and get to WrestleMania? Yeah, that would be a better way to do it. But, you know, we're in 2000 and The Rock needs to look great. Yeah, I think we've given us more thought than we need to, or even they did. But there's a hype package, hyping up the Hell in a Cell and the, the rivalry between Curtis and Triple H so far. Don't really need to talk about it because they're going to play the exact same video package right before the Hell in a Cell match at the pay-per-view. So we go into a Chris Benoit taking on Kane, or as the network tab will say, Kane competes in a singles match. Uh, and not much happens. Uh, I mainly remember these two wrestling. They've wrestled once or twice over the years, uh, most notably Bad Blood 2004 uh, for the world title. I remember as part of one of the early episodes of Me and Paul's podcast, we watched that uh, pay-per-view back, and that match was worse than I remembered it being. But this match was okay. Yeah, no, the match was was fine, and uh, nothing really happened in it. I think that's the main thing to kind of take away from the actual match itself, is that there was just nothing really to get your teeth into, and uh, there will be far better matches from these two in the future. I think we can both agree on that. Yeah, because, like, Kane easily dispatches of the other radicals, Uh but you're not really hard to get rid of Eddie because Eddie's got his arm in a sling. But then Ben <laughs> does a dive. Ben does a dive. And he barely catches Kane. So Kane's like, I'm not taking a bump from that. And so- yeah. And uh, like when you go to, they had a great match. At, I'm trying to remember that. Was it Bad Blood 2004? I mean, I just mentioned that. I don't remember it being as good as that. I remember it being. But if you enjoyed it, I mean, more power to you. I seem to remember it being quite good. And uh, yeah, they, they would go and have much, but this was this was just nothing, and it was all about the shenanigans afterwards, where 
Xbox shoots Kane in the face with some fire, and uh, which they they keep showing, and with every replay of it, it becomes clearer and clearer that he didn't get hit with the fire. <laughs> they showed it so many times that by the end you're like, yeah, it was good aim from X Park because it's nowhere near him. <laughs> but, but Kane, I don't like this version of Kane because I think they we, this is when they really humanized him. And I understand that that's what they were trying to do. For some weird reason, they decided that the demon guy needed to be more relatable. So they gave him a girlfriend and then they had the girlfriend cheat on him and screw him over. And then they had the boyfriend that stole the girlfriend beat him up a lot. But did it have to be X-Pac? Yeah, because X-Pac is despicable and I want to see Kane drop on his head. I guess so, but it's so so boring and the whole character of Kane just got so watered down because of bullshit like this. I think the whole thing with Kane disappearing for like a week and a half and then coming back with Paul Bear is that the idea that he's let people into his life for the first time after like spending his life like in the shadows after his parents' death, uh, which sounds like I'm describing Batman from the start of it, but <laughs> like, like he's let people in and they portrayed him, so he goes away, brings Paul Bear back, and he's maybe now going back to being the monster. And I think he has been up until this particular week, where I think they wanted the heel to get the advantage going in, just so Kane would be that little bit more sympathetic going into it. But even no matter, I think regardless what you what happened on this school home show, people were still going to tune in the no way out with the expectation that Kane murders X Pac. And I remember that by the that bad blood match we were talking about Benoit. I remember as a young Kane fan that outcome of that match was very frustrating because Benoit won. But like, and I remember because I watched it so much, there was a moment in the match where I pinpointed because it was still real to me. I pinpointed where Kane went wrong in the match. And so every time I watched them, every time I watched the match back, I got to that point and I, and I was yelling at my television, Kane, you should have done this. You should have just picked them up and tombstoned them. I'm going to make you watch that match one day and do like a deep dive on like, we're going to watch 30 seconds at a time, pause, and then do a deep dive on every 30 seconds. In 2004, I think, is a, a decent year, even though there's some weird shit there. But at least, at least we don't have to do anything from 2006 because I've done two reviews of a pay-per-view from 2006 and they were both god-awful. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Like, we did a... Myself and Scott did a, uh, a review of Vengeance 2006 a long time ago on a different network far, far away. And there were two good matches on that show and they were put back-to-back. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super bad, like... Uh, if anyone's interested, I still have the uh, that podcast saved on my beautiful hard drive. Uh, so if anyone is interested in uh, in me putting that up on the feed, I know it'll be from a very different from a different time in our lives. And literally the first time me and Scott spoke, uh, then, yeah. then then I, do I, tweet. I, I, I didn't yet know what a deplorable human being you were. Yep, I keep it a secret for as long as possible, and I, I lasted two hours. But but yeah, tweet at, at Rogue underscore Opinion if I get a, if if there's if there's enough tweets on there, I'll put the podcast up. Might as well. But that was a bad show, and uh, yeah, this is a bad match. It wasn't really a match. Also, it it they didn't make it clear when it ended. Like I say, they made it clear when it ended because the bell rung. But they didn't make it clear why. I saw like 
Paul Bearer starts to choke out Tory and the bell rang. And I was like, what the fuck? Neither of these people are in the match. And I realised, oh, it must have been count out because they just kept uppercutting each other for some reason. I agree with that either then. I think the real Bearer just rang the bell. They just saw stuff happening between people who weren't even in the fucking match. But yeah, Kane... I think he just got bored shitless. He was like, fuck this. So then what I say, break Kane down, but Kane just comes back and everything. He's like, yep, I'm just going to sit up on this. It does his usual diving closing, but before he can finish... Xbox, obviously, before he can finish Benoit, he, uh, Tori comes out, slaps Paul Bear, who Paul Bear's facial expressions are just some of the best. Uh, and also, I want that jacket that he wears, that snazzy red blazer that he's got on. Uh, and also, the ref throws the match out for a reason, so Kane can chase uh, Tori. And I think X, uh, Michael Cole says this, like, it's going to be in the video package for Kane's match with Xbox. Kane is stalking his ex girlfriend. That's a line being said about the baby face in the feud, which oh, I know the context is weird, is different because he's chasing out the rat because she interfered in the match, but saying so-and-so is stalking his ex and then tuning in to find out the guy stalking his ex the face. For somebody just coming into this feud who doesn't know the backstory, that paints Kane in a really weird light. Yeah, I think sometimes when you watch these old shows, you need to look into kind of the language that they use as being language that was acceptable kind of 21 years ago. And, uh, yeah, you wouldn't be get away with that today of kind of just being like, oh, he's stalking so-and-so, he's doing this. like. But, it, yeah, it was very backwards, but uh, I don't know. Like, this is a stupid story told stupidly. This I've always hated this Tory, this Tory X-Park Kane story. I think, it's sh- I think it's shit. I hate X-Park. Right. I, I, to be fair, Sean Waltman seems like a great guy. I hate X Park, not Sean Waltman. Yeah, we have a spot where Kane. I guess it is, but X Park Tori is very thin, so she's not really blocking X Park that much. Kane should be able to see over her and see X Park, and not question what's that weird thing he's holding because Tori gets out of the way and he shoots him in the face with a fireball. Oh, yeah, Tori's basically Tori's basically see through. She's so mm-hmm. ridiculously tiny. But yeah, there is that bit where, and again, it's these replays that take away from this because it looked cool live and in full motion. This looked great, like the way that he shot them flames in his face. But it's where they slow it down and they slow it. In, they show it, sorry, in slow motion, which, but they cut it from a point where Kane is legit standing there staring at a guy with a giant gun for like five seconds. And then being surprised when he got shot by it. And he doesn't react. <laughs> so, uh, but no, and, the I thought... rock, and the rock was backstage looking at that fireball spot and thought, hmm, a guy shouldn't fire it or something. In 16 years, the WWE is going to go to a, <laughs> to go to a massive stadium in Dallas. And I'm going to get one of those guns. And I'm going to really make something of myself. <laughs> <laughs> But like, also, I was going to mention this now because it's stupid. I'm going to mention it here because I don't want to talk about it later. Kane's got to down, but I think we're supposed to say maybe his eyes got burned or like maybe it reminds him of the trauma of being burned before or whatever. It is. Yeah, that was but, my next point. What hurt him about this? And then Jonathan Coachman gives updates about Kane, how he's doing. But like, Kane's fine when uh, Kane's like, seemingly recovered by the time no way out comes around because Again, as as uh, Coach points out, they say his mask may have helped protect him from any further damage. Like, no, 
You don't say. You mean the guy who has a giant mask on his face didn't suffer any damage from a fireball that didn't even hit him? Yeah. You mean the guy wearing a full bodysuit and a mask wasn't hurt by the flash of flame? Like, you're joking me here. Yeah, when you really think about this spot, you're, it is stupid because there's no reason Kane should have been hurt by it. Also, when they're like, oh, he might have been traumatised by the by the fire flying towards him. He walks through a wall of fire and then makes the ring post shoot fire twice a week on TV. <laughs> like, he actively seeks out fire. His uh, whole bodysuit is a flame. As if Kane is taking lying on the mat after that oh, sorry, lying on the ramp after that thing having Vietnam style flashbacks. You weren't and, there, man. <laughs> you didn't see what I saw, man. <laughs> he came so scared of fire like Sheer Khan in the jungle book. <laughs> oh god, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Just as a side point we talk about Kane. Do you follow uh Glenn Jacobs' Twitter account. I like to say that I do. It may make me seem like a bad fan of Kane that I don't. If you're a fan of Kane, you don't really want to follow it because you just get to see Glenn Jacobs in an open, like an open top button shirt and Chino's just strolling around Knox County just trying all the food all the time. Kane reminds me of a, of a Jerry from Parks and Rec. When I see him as as like in his political like like suit and everything like he reminds me of Jerry from Parks and Rec was in actually good shape because nobody would say the things that they say about Jerry to Kane. They wouldn't. Kane is a ridiculously huge human being. It's always really funny if you follow Glenn Jacobs' Twitter account and he's doing like these promo shoots because obviously he's the mayor of Knox County for anyone that doesn't know. So he's always just around doing like public events. So he's always just standing next to other people and just seeing this like six foot ten or sorry, seven foot tall guy just standing next to these tiny other people all the time, holding up like a pie and being like Knox County's best pie. It's always hilarious. Oh, what a legend. Pretty sure one of Conrad Johnson's podcast, he mentioned that Tom Pritchard and Kane co-run a wrestling school. Yep, and you gotta think eighty percent of the work running that has got to be Tom Pritchard because Kane can't have that much time to talk about. Because like Tom Pritchard apparently helped train like Angle, the Edge and Christian, uh, uh, the Rock as well. But like so he trained quite a few people with Tom Pritchard. What is, I don't mean to sound harsh, but what exactly is it that Kane offers in that scenario? Like, well, maybe sometimes you got to have a backstory. Like my character was born was burned a lot, burned horribly in a fire. But don't say it was all psychological. I would bet, and this is with no knowledge, so sorry if I'm wrong, that A, if you're gonna get if you're gonna start a wrestling school, by all accounts, if you're gonna get someone to be your lead trainer, Dr. Tom Pritchard is the guy. Like you're talking him, Lance Storm, and uh, probably a few others that some better fans than me can name. And then Kane provided. Because it's in Knox County, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So Kane, Kane signed the permit, <laughs> leased the building, and occasionally pops around with Knox County's best burger. I, I went on to uh, Glenn Jacobs' Twitter, by the way. Would you like to know the last tweet that Glenn Jacobs sent out at time recording? I you say it was food related. No. 
Oh, fuck. Yes, but yes, he I do quote, want to know. He, one hour ago, he quote retweeted a tweet from Madonna. Madonna sent a tweet out <laughs> talking about... He, Madonna sent a tweet out... <laughs> <laughs> Please say what it says. But, uh, but don't ask me to tweet something to do with patriarchy and stuff like that. Stuff like that I don't want to get into. And Claire Jacobs said to me, basically saying, current situation, my wife is downstairs working on some real estate deals while I'm in the kitchen finishing the dishes. And then in all caps, death to the patriarchy with an exclamation mark. <laughs> Kane's doing the dishes. Well, that. Kane is really... <laughs> Is retweeting Madonna. Which then implies that Kane follows Madonna on Twitter. So it a, really does. Kane now follows now Madonna. Now I'm Kane walking around his house dancing to like a prayer like Fredo. <laughs> that is better than ever for me. There you go, guys. He's either arguing with people, with politicians, retweeting Madonna, or talking about food he just ate. And giving him a follow. Glenn Jacobs uh, is all of us. That's the good thing about Glenn, Kane the wrestler. You can't relate to Kane the wrestler, but Glenn Jacobs the man. He's an everyman. He's all of us. He's he's Kane really is the American. He is. He's super. Like he's a bit out of shape, but he can still do what he needs to do. He'll do the dishes. He'll eat all the food. No doubt he likes a drink. He's all of us. He's an everyman, and that's why we love him. Um, oh, sorry, I'm just scrolling down. There's a tweet from four days ago. He's holding some sort of cake with the WWE's logo on it. It's a very poorly designed cake. <laughs> I saw that as well. <laughs> legit, he's always out eating some like really cracking looking food. Like I'm sure in Knox County, uh, there's some great food, and it, he's always just out eating food. Got it. If we could get Adam Richman, who's the for those who don't know, the man versus food guy. And Glenn mm. Jacobs to do a restaurant review of all the best places to eat in Knox County. There you go. Uh, That's his next I'm election. Sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's going to tweet something at some point that makes me regret following him. But you know. Oh yeah, he is a politician, so no doubt. Yeah. But uh, still, you're going to get to see a lot of great food <laughs> and Madonna apparently. Oh. Uh, <laughs> The devil's favourite right demon there. retweeted Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's never going to leave my mind. And now, slightly more underwhelming, we have to talk about Edge and Christian the Hardys taking on a head cheese and starting a Malenko. Oh, there's nothing I can say about this other than it. And bear in mind, the radicals are chilling out with DX in a bus. This ends the exact way you think it's going to end. Also, is the radical? Is there a theme song more generic and worse than the radical theme song? Oh, you don't love generic beat number twelve? <laughs> My word, my word, Jim Johnson. How do you do it? Yeah, it, it sucks. It's really crap. And uh, there's nothing to write home about this match unless you like seeing... If you like seeing 
a vague reason why the triangle ladder match ends up happening at WrestleMania. Then maybe watch this match. It only takes like three minutes, but also it doesn't help actually give a reason why the triangle ladder match happens at WrestleMania when you watch the rest of the show, actually. So maybe don't. Who are the tag team champions? There it was. And they're going to defend the titles against the Dudleys uh, at No Way Out. And then these two teams are having a match. And the winner, uh, they're saying that the winners are going to fight them at WrestleMania. But and then they also sometimes say they're going to face them at a later date. So, Okay. Uh, yeah, it, I, I don't know. Edge is a cool hat. That's kind of <laughs> it. I don't really remember a lot. Other than the, the move that the Radicals win by, which is a, it's kind of, I can't remember what the sort of kick you call that Demolinko does, but it's like a heel kick into a dragon sleeper suplex pin. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that, that looks cool really cool. I can imagine the Undisputed Era doing a move like that now. It looks really cool. But none well, of the rest of this match is worth a damn. But, yeah, so but it was, I'm, I'm happy that the Radicals are actually the ones that got the, the win and not Hedges, but it's basically done so, like, I think one of the Hardys gets pushed off the apron onto, like, Christian, and then, so, that means that the teams can argue, so that means, oh, tension, dissension, these teams are friends, but they're going to fight uh, No Way Out, and then they can't get along all of a sudden, like, you didn't really need this. They both know what's at stake at No Way Out, so they know that they have to put that aside because they're meant to be professionals, so you didn't need this at all. Uh, but bigger of the Radicals, they've been in case nothing with Tuku and Kishi the last couple of weeks, and they are going to fight them a six-man tag at No Way Out, but DX said they're going to take out your problem for you, and so it's Triple H, X-Pac, and Road Dogg taking on Kishi and Tuku. Yes, uh, it was nice to see Rikishi and Tuko. That's always a delight. I wasn't really... I kind of, it's, it's stupid. I think I messaged you at this point that all the matches were just the same. This was mm-hmm. the exact same thing again, where it was just... You had the faces doing doing their thing, rocking and rolling, and but you knew the Hills were going to win. You knew they weren't going to win fairly. And that's just exactly what happened there. So it's kind of the show just felt really boring at this point. It didn't help that we'd already seen Triple H for a large portion of the show and DX as well. And yeah, two cores, great as they are, they didn't really, they looked to threat in the match because Rikishi's so big and because they actually seemed to be doing something with Grandmaster Sexay and Scotty Tuhati, but you knew how it was going to end. And Rikishi even had the cast on his leg to make you kind of know exactly what was going to happen. So we got the hot tag, hit some super kicks, did all the Rikishi specials, was about to hit the Rikishi driver on X-Park, chop block from Triple H, match was kind of done at that point. Triple H started hitting Rikishi in the leg with a chair. And then... Uh, as Grandmaster Sexy goes for his leg drop, X Park pulls Road Dog out of the way. X Factor one two three is kind of done, but it was it was nothing as pointless. The most entertaining moment of the show happened straight after this in the back with the Doctor. We'll get to that I think, but it was weird to see like Scotty Tuhati and Grassley getting hot tags and getting to get offense, especially on Triple H, because there's a bit where Scotty has Triple H and Vincent for the warm, and the crowd are so binded, but then boo very loudly. Because X-Pac cut off the worm. 
like before Scotty could hit it. Uh, the idea of that means a move being so over. Gishi tries to do his usual moves, like he said, he gets cut off. The fact that like, he Triple H fights with Gishi on his side, slams him into the steps, hits him with a chair, and the referee could have easily seen that. And I think it's against because all these two aren't legal, so I'm not going to cause a DQ, even though I threw a match out earlier because the two people that weren't even in the match were fighting. So I don't know what the hell the rules are. Yeah, there was one point where Scotty Tuhati just hit a big right hand on Triple H and it knocked him out of the ring. And it felt like something that happened from an alternative universe. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was so weird to, to watch. Uh, it was, yeah, there's not really a lot to say. This match just is exactly what you think it's going to be. But mm. it was weird because it was kind of like, this is just after they did the Rikishi, where they, like, Rikishi supposedly the one who ran over Stone Cold. <laughs> and he just—it's such a weird time capsule to see. And uh, but no, I, I guess Triple H needed a segment in the middle of the show, and they didn't have a backstage one for him, so they told him to go out and not do a lot in the ring. I think it doesn't help that Xbox gets the one for DX after earlier on we seen him shoot fire into a man's face, and so now we had to see him multiple times through oh, the show. Yeah, that was something that I forgot to say earlier. Is that we had. Um, Kane v Chris Benoit. So we just had Demon Linko and Perry Saturn make an entrance with Chris Benoit. You then watch that match, and then it goes to a break, and it comes back, and then Perry Saturn and Demon Linko make an entrance. And then we get to see them backstage watching this match on a small television. Yeah, you get to see, you hear the Radicals DX music and see them backstage. Bear in mind, after commercials, this show is about an hour and a half. But I reckon about 45 minutes of it has one of those people on screen at all times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this was kind of worthless. So they, beat them, so they beat him down a bit more afterwards. And then here, Kishi is taking the training room because his legs been worked on. Now, bear in mind, this guy's got a giant bandage, mainly around his boot, but around his leg. He's going, ah, ah. And they were talking, he's asking, I think he said my leg a few times. And the doctor still asks, where is your, where's the pain? Or something like that. Like, where the fuck do you think it is? Yeah, that was so strange. Who this doctor was, I'm presuming he's not an actor. But Scott's not exaggerating there. A giant man comes in with a giant cast on his giant leg, screaming my leg, puts it <laughs> up on the doctor's table, right in front of the doctor. The doctor asks, where's the pain at? Just oh. if that doesn't sum up SmackDown, nothing Don't else will. It's a doctor unable to identify where a cast is on a leg. It's just so well nobody was having a heart attack, isn't it? Someone yeah. clicked in the head. What's wrong? Is it your back? Like, no. Yeah. What a load of old shit. <laughs> what a load of old shit. <laughs> but that's okay, Nathan. Because you know what time it is? Uh, what time is it? It's time, once again, <laughs> to come aboard the whole train <laughs> as Godfather and Dealer Brown come out with a match with Albert and the Boss Man. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but were Albert and the Boss Man teaming together when you and me did that episode from the end of 99? Oh, good question. They must have. Yeah, they must have been, because that would have been fresh off of Boss Man. 
and Big Show's feud. Big Show was still champion. It was one week before Triple H wins the title off him. Yeah. So no, literally a matter of days because it was on Raw, wasn't it? So yeah, yeah, it was like so, three days before. So I think Bossman and Albert must have been together. So the Ortiz and Tension with them were about that point. And so and the, since you've last been here, Ortiz Tension, they've broken up, had a match, it was crap, uh, and had a, a feud for about a week. And then a week ago, they got they teamed together with Edge and Christian. It looked like they didn't want a team together. And then now they're a team. Like, suddenly they're back together. And, like, and a couple of weeks, like, very soon, by the time WrestleMania comes around, they're both going to have better partners. So I'm just looking at you two, like, why are you together? Because Taz gets involved in this match. Because Taz had a match with Bossman. He had it easily won. And then Albert got involved for reasons. And now Taz is going to have a match against Bossman at. No way out. Oh, trust me, I have thoughts. And basically, Taz attacked, I believe it's the boss man on the outside, and nothing, the match doesn't get called off. The boss man, uh, Albert gets it with a pimp brought by Godfather, he and Dilo win. Godfather, no, that's the kind of, a, kind of wrestling acumen that gets you the lead pace man of the year award. Yeah, this was a thing. And it happened, and everyone needs to appreciate that it happened, and then move on. I've, like it was, they replayed Taz throwing Bossman's head into some stairs a load of times. That looked pretty brutal. The Death Valley driver from Godman looked cool. Dilo Brown looked great in a waistcoat. <laughs> it's kind, of, it's kind of it. I couldn't name you. I couldn't name you one move other than that Death Valley driver that happened in this match. I think. Actually, Big Boss Man hit a really shite-looking spine buster at one point. Yeah, I couldn't give two shits about this. No, nope, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, not about any less. My main notes about this are Taz attacks a uh, uh, Boss Man pimp drop Godfather and Dilo one. That's my main notes. Taz one. wearing all the clothes <laughs> that he found, like looking not far off, looking like a Michelin man. Good <laughs> God. He's an odd-shaped man. Bandana, like seven waistcoats. He's <laughs> ah, your classic overachiever. <laughs> Don't I can hear the ECW chants from here. <laughs> well, I think what one of the few highlights of this episode is Cactus Jack coming out for an in-ring interview with JR. JR vanishes, by the way, during this. It's during the promo. McFoley is just talking and he got to move around the ring. And then JR disappears. So JR in the middle of his enemy just buggered off like, oh, he can take it from here. Yeah, like, Mick Foley is an, is an amazing promo. But good, this went on. This went on for a bit because I thought, oh, cool. Jericho and The Rock v Big Show and Angles next. Those are four people that I like watching wrestle. This should be good. And then like 10 minutes later, I was like, okay, it's getting less good. Because there's, the show's going to end, Mick. <laughs> and Stephanie came out, and then he, then Mick Foley got arrested. So, like, we'll talk about what he actually said because he talks about all these accomplices. He thanks everybody who cheered for him when he, he won the title, everybody who bought his book, and all those things. He talked about how he said to Vince, "I want to retire months ago," because he said he was embarrassed by his performances. And there's all that truth to some of the things if you read his books. And he was very much actually, he was very serious about retiring at No Way Out. 
if he lost. And he compares it to Ali Frazier, and it goes on for quite a bit. He doesn't want to end his career the way Frazier did. He wanted to end his career by competing at WrestleMania. He's got to go through Triple H in order to do so and talk about all the injuries he's suffered. And the last cell in the yeah, does go on a bit. He said, I'll go down swinging or I won't go down at all. And then it seems like he's finished. And then it comes Stephanie, who said, I had a dream as well, Cactus. I dreamed about having a, a lavish, expensive bus, but you ruined that dream on Raw where you smashed it and you got so much damage to it. Like, well, you got a new one fairly quickly. So it wasn't that big of a dream for you, Stephanie. And given who your parents are, surely you could have dreamed bigger. Yeah, I feel like this promo, Mick Foley's pointing out how he kind of overachieved uh, from where he thought he would. And Steph is kind of really under, really overestimating how much buses cost. <laughs> like, and I'm not expecting, I know like, um, have we all, have we all seen that, uh, that clip on YouTube from the Ellen show? where she makes Bill Gates try and guess how much groceries are. Oh, I, I, I have it saved on well, my favourite video. Oh, it's pretty funny, like, because Bill Gates seems like a nice guy, but he has no fucking idea about anything outside of his little world. So he's, like, guessing that bread costs, like, $4 for a loaf and things like that. And I feel like that's where Stephanie's at, where she's like, oh, how much would a bus be? And like, it's a nice bus, so probably like a hundred grand. But she's like, oh, that's like fifty million worth of bus. You know when Vince McMahon, someone, I think it's Stone Cold, throws a microphone, and he's like, that's a hundred thousand dollar microphone. <laughs> it's like no one told him it's like fifty quid. <laughs> so well, I said that at the time when I watched. I thought like, who's selling you these microphones because they're yeah, ripping you off? They are fucking loaded. But yeah, because the only reason, because the only reason Austin threw it. It's because the microphone was cutting out when he was talking. So you paid that much money for a microphone that guy can't even fucking talk into. Yeah, so, so I think that, yeah, you got, it's the tale of Mick Foley really pointing out how he's achieved more than everyone thought he would. And Stephanie should never be allowed to go buy cars on her own. Because, <laughs> like, also, I don't even get that whole thing with celebrities or politicians asking them, do you know how much the average person spends this amount on groceries or? How much do you spend this much on bread? Like, I don't know how much I spend on my, my shopping. I like, If you ask me, how much average do you spend on your shopping? However much however much the, the checkout says when it finishes. Yeah, when it when it's done. But yeah, it's also that thing of like asking, oh, how, Bill Gates, how much do you think bread was? As if you think Bill Gates goes to buy bread. Like, it's, a, it's a silly quiz to do because you, you say you're asking people, these super extreme people how much the average person spends in it when they're not the average person mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's got nothing to do with this promo it, like, it went like, on forever like, it's not even a, a they're trying to beat you with those questions because like if you un, if you under go you shoot under then you're out of touch if you shoot over you're out of touch especially if you go over because that seems like you're like the kind of person who buys like more fancy or expensive shit Further, but yeah, this promo. Every basically has Big fully arrested for what happened. And do you, then, ever, uh, do you do you have those people that you? This is completely off topic as well, but it's like when you have those people that you you work with, and they go to buy lunch every day from like Greg's or another bakery, and you're like they're spending way more on lunch than the other person would be. 
like those people are mental as well when you talk about overspending on things. Hmm. Like, Not really. Just... I, mean, I, I used to work in Marquis and occasionally they'd have like samples or like biscuits that were very like near their like sale by date. So every now and then in the staff room there'd be randomly some biscuits that were a bit of go out of date. So I I was I usually brought my own lunch, but I usually brought a sandwich and I thought, oh what biscuits would there be today? I've worked with people before and the place that I used to work at was like next door to a Greg's. Uh, for those who don't know, Greg's is like a ba- it's a, just a bakery. It's a chain of bakeries here in, in the UK. And uh, they would go there and buy like a baguette and a coffee every lunchtime. So they'd be spending like £4 something every single day on lunch. Which, is, which doesn't sound like a lot. But when you bear in mind you're working five days a week, so that's 20 quid a week. On shit baguettes, <laughs> and uh, it's just and and coffee that costs like two pounds for a coffee. It's just too much, too much. I'm trying to think what countries will be listening to this that don't have a Greg's. Maybe America, something like that. And America like, don't have Greg's. We've had this yeah, challenge no, before. I'm trying to think somewhere in Europe because I'm pretty sure I've been to Belgium once. They've got a Greg's. There's a, uh, I think I remember a sausage roll being called a Worston Bridge. Well, I, I pronounced that really badly, but like somebody in America has listened to us talk about Greg. So someone's went to Greg's every day for one spent four quid. Like as if they're going like you went around to somebody's house, somebody called Greg's house and <laughs> to make lunch every day. No, but like it's it, Greg's is it's it's a bakery, but like bang average bakery, like a real a a real D'Lo Brown of a bakery. A lot of swagger, but no end product. I've, 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 have you seen the pizza that they serve in, in certain Greg's? Yeah, it's terrible. I, I, I made that mistake more than once. I should have learned. Fucking hell. Fool me once. It's always cold, no matter what time of day. Always cold. <laughs> like, like, I remember the comedian Steve Hughes, he was an Australian comedian, he talked about how he thought shit about Greg's. He went like, the, the, coke, the coke is always warm. And the sausage rolls are always cold. Where, wherever <laughs> they're storing these two items, they need to swap them about. They need to put the coke where the sausage rolls are stored and put the sausage rolls wherever they store the coke. Who's, who's buying a coke from a Greg's? Like you, they only sell like the ca- they sell the cans and the bottles of, uh, of coke. But like, they're super expensive. So why are you buying them from there? But yeah, their fridges are shit. Their ovens are shit. Yeah, s- if I can help it, if I'm buying a Greg's, I'll always try to get a drink from somewhere else but every now and then like I'll, I'll, I'll only buy a drink in Greg's if I have to the coffee is nice like I am a bit of a coffee snob so the coffee's alright but like everything else is poor poor at best especially for me vegetarian not not a lot of options baguette there's only one option and it's cheese and lettuce <laughs> so like it's just fucking pointless but anyway, what has this show become? Yeah, Mick Foley got arrested for. Mick uh, got arrested. He, he complains with these guys, these cops, like you're pressing me for vandalizing a bus and all that. Shit. And then he gets put in this holding cell, which is then revealed to be just a cage. They put him in a weird like cage, and Stephanie and Triple H and Triple H, uh, guys, because tons of these cops are working for them somehow, and the the cage is chained to the DX Express. More on that later, but basically, then Stephanie spends the segment taunting, taunting him with pizza that he can't quite reach, and then Triple H asks, 
Is there a stick or something around here? I want a Pokemon with a stick. Yeah. Wait, wait, when, they, when Scott says, oh, there'll be more of this later, there'll, more of, there'll be more of this later in about eight minutes after the main event. Oh, oh it's no, like before that. They planned this this segment and then they were rapidly running out of time at this point. Again, it amazes me how much time they run out of. Again, this is a taped show. Yeah. These are taped. Yeah, like this. Very much. Um, <laughs> watch it. It's like Godfather Dilo Brown match happens, and there's about half an hour left on the runtime on the network. So at this point, I'm already getting a bit suspicious, but I'm thinking, are they going to wrap this up in like five minutes? It's a bit of filler. Everyone can go grab a beer before they get to see The Rock. But then this all happens, and I'm like, okay, there's 15 minutes left. Okay, there's like 10 minutes left. (laughs) No one's made an entrance yet. (laughs) You can grab that beer during this next match. Billy Gunn taking on Bubba Ray Dudley. Oh, fuck, I forgot this even happened. And also, the commentary can't decide whether or not they should call him Mr. Ass or just Billy Gunn. Uh, oh. Bubba Kent was a power, uh, famous turn to a powerbomb. Uh, Mrs. Ascento onto the DQ because he won't get involved. And so they set up the most convoluted table spot I've ever seen in my life. Where Bubba stands on top of the table that he's ever... You assume he's going to try and powerbomb Billy through. But then Road Dogg keeps saving it. so that uh, Bubba Ray can be bent over standing on a table so that fair duplicate, you know, we got some height on this. Billy Gunn hits a famouser through the table onto Bubba Ray Dudley, an impressive spot. But unfortunately for Billy, at that exact moment, he tore his rotator cuff. <sighs> Great. Like, yeah, I kind of forgot this just happened whilst I was on my running out of time rant, but it does lead into the fact they're running out of time because I forgot they had another entire match. The weirdest thing about this entire thing is that DX are quite clearly meant to be the biggest heels on the show. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Ass comes out, has to fight off both Dudley boys, and does successfully for most of the match. He's fighting both of them, is well on his way. Like victory hits a jackhammer, everything like that. Devon gets involved. They're beating down the bad guy until Road Dog makes the save. What is the fuck? Like the storytelling's all over the place at this point. Yeah, I like because like, so you going into it, you think, oh, the Outlaws have this catchphrase and that, and they stick with the audience. That's over. So they're the good guys. No, they're actually part of a faction with the biggest heel in the company and the boss's daughter. Oh, okay, so they're the bad guys, and the Dudleys are the good guys. Oh no, because the Dudleys, as they talk about a long country, have a, a habit of putting women through tables. So who's the good guy here? Nobody knows. Yeah, why is this happening? So they just go entirely down the line of making Mister Mister Ass fight off both Devon and Bubba Ray during the match, nearly get put through a table, do a giant leaping famous uh, not off the top rope, just off the floor on to Bubba Ray who's standing on top of a table bent over for fucking ages and uh, it was a cool spot it's just, I don't really know why this was happening the way that it did happen, I would have much rather just seen the Dudley boys fight the outlaws. If they're both bad guys, that's fine. But let's just see them fight. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So at Billy this Gunn. point, there was like twenty minutes left on the show. So Billy Gunn's <laughs> heart, and that's going to really play into the match on Sunday at a No Way Out, as we'll talk about next week. But yeah, then they have another segment with Cactus in the cage, uh, and then we have our main event: Big Show and Kurt versus 
uh, Jericho and The Rock. And these are enough minds, like you said, they're really rushing through their spots. Scott Buster uh, with Biango. Big Show hits a Rock hits Big Show with a Spine Buster. Uh, and Jericho comes in, really burns through spots. Show hits a girl press slam on Jericho. Obviously, the heel trying to isolate Jericho for the shortest amount of time because they really need to rush into the hot tag spot because, uh, again, he said there's not a lot of time left. Uh, hot tag to the rock. He tries to go for the people's elbow, but he's cut off. Again, another fucking DQ when uh, when somebody uses a chair. China, yeah, China gets involved with a chair for some reason. Jericho actually gets the wall circle in on the big show at some point. Uh, and then the rock and big show brought to the back where... Big Show throws a rock through a window. Yeah, this is, it's not the match that you're hoping it's going to be when you hear The Rock and Chris Jericho v. Kurt Angle and The Big Show. There was a nice exchange though between Kurt Angle and The Rock at one point where Kurt Angle hit him with a couple of like belly-to-bellies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like That was the majority of the match, though. Uh, but the match was kind of nothing. Big Show got rock-bottomed at one point. Jericho and Angle became like it felt like because there was such little time left on the show the refs came out Kurt Angle and, G- and Jericho were brawling so I was like oh they're going to get to finish the show that's kind of cool Jericho and Angle and then it flashed to the back and this was my least favourite point of the show uh, because not because Big Show threw the rock through the window that was cool but you think it's over you think I have seen the last of him but then Big Show throws the rock through the window. So instead of looking at the rock who's just been thrown through some glass, camera pans out through another window. He's back. It's Triple H. <laughs> Standing there, waving at the camera, doing exactly what he did at this point in his career, was just was just be the biggest heel in the company, but also treat everything as if it's a comedy just like waving, looking really smug, looking really smug. And then, of course, we have to instead end the show with Triple H. Driving Cactus Jack off in a cage attached to a bus, which is cartoonish as hell. And also, it didn't really look like it was going to hurt him because he was just kind of there in the cage. And it's like, oh, the cage is going to drag along the floor. <laughs> like, but, yeah. I mean, it was a good fight between Big Show and Rock, though, in the back. Yeah, five segments I, at, at least that I counted and two video packages the opener show out on Raw and the promo the hate the match and the rivalry up at No Way Out so at least seven times pretty, uh, different times we see Triple H in pre-tate or in live segments here so yeah the Raw gets thrown through that window and then he kind of pans in and then there's another window and behind that window Triple H and Stephanie are there laughing at the Rock's misfortune and then says to Let's, let's go to Hartford. So basically, they're, implying they're heading to where No Way Out's been held. Dragon Cat is behind them. So let's uh, recap here. Too Cool and DXP up Too Cool and Rikishi. Radicals got a win. Cause Engine produced some other bases. X Pac shot fire in Kane's face. And Big Show through the rock through window and Cat has got dragged away in the back of a bus. Which, by the way, won't be talked about when we get to No Way Out. So what happened between then and No Way Out with the cage and everything? I don't know. How did the characters get away? Did they go all the way to Hartford? I don't know. So you think all these heelish things that they stand tall, but you think, oh, that must mean we're setting up for some big babyface triumphs come uh, No Way Out. You'd think that, wouldn't you? 
more on that when we get to the pay-per-view. Yeah, it was kind of... They're just... They're booked a little bit too too strong on this show. Like, they're just so dominant and all over the place. And you know you have the WWF thing of you like, oh, the person to stand tall at the end of the... Pay, end of the go-home show generally doesn't end up winning at the pay-per-view, but it's DX, so no doubt they'll probably just win everything. Yeah. And, like, some people might think, oh, by comparison about how often Triple H is in segments is overblown. The joke I made, The Simpsons one, that when Triple H is not on screen, people should be asking, where's Triple H? Like, just watch an episode like this episode here. It's not a joke. It's beyond a joke at this point. Yeah, who cares? Like, I don't... Maybe people did back then. They genuinely did care. But I just found myself thinking, oh, God, just fuck off. And I like Triple H, just in moderation. Yeah, there's actually, there's nothing wrong with the character. There's nothing wrong with the guy. And there's nothing wrong with having him be the champion. Like, he probably should be the champion. But mm-hmm. just, we don't need to see him every five seconds. Yep. So, given how much we've shared on certain aspects of this, uh, what would your thumb be? Middle, up, down? Or, and also, what one thing have you had to recommend to somebody to check out? Would it be one thing on the show you tell somebody to watch? Uh, I'm going to put thumb down. I think this is pretty... This is boring. There's far, far, far too much DX. Just everywhere. Far too much Triple H. The promo segments were long and boring and not very interesting. and Just a bit convoluted. Like this show felt like an afterthought, like they almost forgot they had to do another SmackDown before No Way Out, Like they were done telling their stories. So they were just going to have the bad guys beat up the good guys, and that was kind of going to be it. For something to watch from this show, Jesus. Uh, I think it's going to have to be Test v Crash Holly. Yeah, I, I There's also I no women on this show. Like, there's Stephen Stephanie. Tory. <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie is there. I am woman. I created all women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing women, but it's probably going to have to be Testy Crash Holly if I say for anyone to watch anything. Yeah, because really that's the pinnacle of the show. They started off hot and quickly declined from there. And I think I'm in the middle, but my thumb is slightly about slightly edging towards down. So I'll keep it in the middle because Rock made his segments entertaining uh, and the Crash Holly stuff was fun and mainly because I know what is to come. And also the, the comedy unintentionally though of uh, Rikishi and the Doctor. <laughs> there you go. What a legend. What a legend indeed. And and some some people, not my not me, would say that Nathan is a legend. And Nathan has all sorts of other things going on, broke opinions and beyond is up to, and he will tell you all about them right now. Hey, yeah, you can find Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinions. Check back through the archives. You can find loads of things on there. The Banter Munich podcast. Uh, there's a new Mandalorian review podcast. Uh, if you want to listen to more of me, I'll be on the Naked Men podcast, talking all things pop culture, movies, TV, and just random topics from there. If you want to listen to me talk about sport, uh, you can listen to me talk about football or soccer if you're in the States over at Project Dits. It's at Project D-I-T-S on plus added time. 
uh, every weekend with my co-host Dara. Uh, also have a new comedy scripted podcast called That Ain't Sport, which is a kind of fictional American style sports news show. You can find it at That Ain't Sport on Twitter or just search That Ain't Sport. Wherever you get your podcast, there's already an episode up there coming once a month. There's another one coming March 5th and Scott did lend his lovely voice to the first episode and uh, maybe he'll be in more to come. Who knows? But thank you for having me again. No problem. It's always good to tell you about what I would say is maybe based on a chat about wrestling, but we talk more about Parks and Rec and Madonna uh, on this show and Greg's than and we did really wrestling when you think about it. But yes, uh, check me out on Twitter. It's called McLeod 1996. Uh, my favourite sportsman, Aidan McGregor, will soon have a GoFundMe page that you should all definitely <laughs> contribute to. Uh, obviously, check out next week when we have the uh, the No Way Out 2000 review. Check out past episodes of the Rogue Retro Smackdown review and everything else going on. Me, Jimmy Nathan, should only getting together, record some content soon, uh, like the next edition of our comic book movie tournament. Me and Jimmy should probably be doing our next graphical updates on but what happens uh, at the Chamber this week and what happened at Vengeance Day. A lot to talk about there. Eat, sleep, suplex, retreat, at suplex, retreat. As part of a show talking about the Mount Rushmore of NXT, which will be out this coming Tuesday. If you're into that, and also Quiz Showdown 8 Legends of Wrestling has come out on YouTube at the end of the month. So, good stuff going on there. Scott and Paul Ram podcast at SB Rambling. Uh, we've got a WrestleMania 12 review, which we're trying to find a date to access schedule because it keeps getting moved because, well, we're, I, mainly me, I'm quite busy at the minute. And I'm also doing stuff like Culture Vultures. Uh, Check out their site. I'm doing some wrestling articles there. I released one talking about why Miss uh, should be the face of Impact Wrestling, why uh, five people that LA Knight for when Eli Drake should face in his NXT run. And I've got a few more in the works that are coming out soon. Uh, I think that's everything I've got. Such, such a busy man. I, I am such a workhorse. Uh, send, me, send me baguettes from Greg's. I don't have to <laughs> uh, but it's been it's been good having you, you and Nathan, and hopefully if we have have you back, then we have a better episode for you to talk about. That would be nice. Maybe one day. Maybe one day, or maybe this is my way of punishing you for making me watch 2006 pay-per-views. We'll never know. Until next time, everybody. Ta-ta. <laughs> Bye now.